0: who don't have parents who are maybe in the foster program or homeless or in various capacities there I don't know all the details but in various capacities these kids are in some some pretty tough situations and uh, his class his former classmate reached out to him and said uh, hey when we were trying to come up with counselors for this you came to mind, and, you know, would you be willing to do it? So he's been going to the trainings and had to go through an interview process and everything else to get accepted and everything else. And, you know, we've, we've talked briefly about that because our schedules do this so much, but we've talked briefly about that, and, and he, he mentioned, he's like, man, he's like, this is, this is going to be some pretty major stuff and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I, number one, as dad, I'm proud, Right. But, but as pastor, I want the power of Jesus to work in him and through him to touch these lives. Amen. And uh, so I'm, I'm more choked up from the pastor side than I am from the dad's side because, man, what a powerful opportunity um, to touch these kids' lives that maybe, you know, maybe they'll never get another opportunity to be touched by Jesus like this. Again, so not just Luke, but I mean, there's several other counselors. He's not the only one. There's several other counselors that are going to be down there. Uh, and, and whatever, so let's just, uh, I'm going to ask Luke if he would to come up, and um, he hates it, but like Holly, and well, Lisa kind of volunteered, but like Holly, they'll, they'll get over it, and um, so but yeah, she, 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 she was down with that, and um, so forth, but yeah, if we could all just um, uh, stand and, and lift our hands up here towards Luke, um, if you feel like coming up and, and laying hands on him, by all means, certainly do that, and um, Everything and, and let's just pray um, that God works in him and through him this week, and uh, children's lives are, are touched, teenagers' lives are, are touched and changed um, this week from what God's, what God's gonna do. <clears throat> let's each one pray. Father, we're just thankful that God, you are able to work beyond us, and God, that you're able to do things that are bigger than us through us. And God, that you're able to make differences in people's lives. And Father, we're thankful uh, that you count Luke worthy. We're thankful, Jesus, that He has an opportunity to be a chain breaker this week. That God, lives who have have been hurt and damaged through through a number of different things, God are going to fall into His hands this week because of you. So God, we ask for Your anointing, and we ask for Your touch, and we ask for for Your power to work in Him and through Him as He touches each of these lives, God. Give Give him the delicate spirit and Lord, give him give him the, the the tender heart, dear Jesus, to to love and to cry and, and and to just embrace these kids as they need to be embraced. Lord, the ones that might be hard and bitter, God, we pray that the right words and the, and the power of heaven would come through him, Lord, to touch and make a difference. Not just Luke, but God, each one who's going to be ministering this week, we just pray for your power on them. And God, ask that Lord, you make a difference in these kids' lives. That God whether it be immediate, whether it be a week from now, whether it be years from now, they remember something that was done in Jesus' name in this moment and in this place in God that it changes them forever. And we'll give you glory and we'll give you praise for it forever, knowing and believing that it's in your power to do just that. We ask in Jesus' name. And amen. 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 So. We are, uh, you pat him on the back and encourage him later today and and everything, and and, uh, lift him up this week uh, as God lays him on your heart. Uh, We're just thankful for the privilege and excited about what God um, can do there. So without further ado, uh, I want to introduce Haley. Haley and I go way back, um, Haley and I go way back what, you were probably middle school when we first met? Um, Haley was, I, I think, seventh grade when um, we first met, and, and her mom, Reba, uh, one of the first people we met at, at the church we were going to, and and we just became buds because we, we kind of the same crazy, I think, you know, and um, and so we just bonded uh, immediately, and we've stayed in touch over the years, and I've had the privilege of sewing into her life. You all know Haley, so you're thinking, man, he's, he's really pouring it on, but th- they are special people to me, and and uh, to be, still be involved in their lives, even though we're miles away and everything else, is a blessing to me. And, and to have the privilege to, to continue that ministry in, in some realm or another is, is awesome uh, and exciting. And of course, we just love Reebs to death. She'll never be Reba to me, she'll always be Reebs. So um, deal with that. So Haley's going to come and share in sign and dance um, for us this morning. Anything you want to say? Um, there is a little part to say do this so they get
1: you on the uh, okay um, i was just thinking as he's praying he's uh, you know you're speaking on the whole warfare thing like worship is a warfare and um, uh, there's a part in the song it's the second part and it says um, love makes us strong to lay down our lives so um, i just listen for that part because i get really fired up when i do it cuz the sign for strong is literally like i'm ready for a battle i'm going to i'm going to take you on even if i die so yeah that's a that was something that just came to me and I was like, check it out, cool. <laughs>
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, Haley Burgess. Everybody's still jamming. So thank you, Haley. We appreciate you always and uh, everything that God's doing uh, in the house this morning. You know, I am. Um, I don't get too involved with their um, with with the worship set. I mean, I'm I'm on the group uh, me that they they talk back and forth with what's going on and. Uh, like this week, I, I let them know Haley was coming and gave, you know, a little bit of idea there. And, and, and beyond that, I try to stay out of it because music's just not my thing, right? So I, I don't pretend it is my thing. And um, so I, I try to stay out of it. So, uh, you know, I see them pass the songs back and forth and I never really pay too close attention to it. It's not like I go and listen to the songs. Not a lot of times, Josie's like, check this out and so I'll go check that out. But if they're just talking back and forth about what they're going to do, and yet I'm amazed how so much of the songs this morning have to do with elements of the message. I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me how God works in that way. So I hadn't really looked at the verses of the songs or things that the songs talked about, but, but like the virgins, that, I mean, she told me she was doing even and i I'm like, oh, I've heard that, but I didn't really remember it. I've just, I've heard that. And I went on about my thing and let them go on about their thing. Well, the virgins is a big part of what God willing, I'll share with you here in a few minutes. So I think, and it goes right along with the message for us to realize that God is involved in those kind of details bigger and and better than we ever give him comprehension for. And so it's important for us to realize that. We're starting a series this morning called Prepare for Warship. Right? And, and it's a play on words, you know, prepare for war, W-A-R, prepare for worship, W-O-R-S-H-I-P. It's a play on words, but the reality for us is, is that worship is warfare, right? And, and our praise is what takes us into battle. And we see throughout Scripture moments and elements where even Jesus, in all of His glory, here on the earth... Still acknowledge the imminence and the power and the holiness of Almighty God. right? Even Jesus, in all of His glory, even everything that was at Jesus' command, Jesus still took a step back and acknowledged God and everything that was going on, even so much that when He told us to pray, He told us to pray how. He said, "When you pray, pray like this, Our Father." which art in heaven. Amen? What's He doing? He's, he's, he's setting the stage from the start that I'm not asking You to my level. I'm coming to Your level, God. Our Father, which art in heaven. Amen? Not our Father who thinks like me or does the things I do or lives here on earth and just cleans it up on Sunday, but a God who sits on a throne and maintains and holds that throne for the ages. Right? And then what's the next thing he says? Hallowed be thy name. What does he do? He immediately in his prayer, he goes from acknowledging who God is and where God is to praising him, to worshiping him, to acknowledging all that he is worthy of and all that he is due. Amen? And so Jesus from from that moment gives us the very example of how we should think. Now Paul in Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing, right? So if we're to pray without ceasing, and Jesus says when you pray, pray like this, what does it mean? It means that daily we should be thinking and living and breathing the idea that God is on a throne and how it is His name. Amen? Holy is His name. Worthy is His name. The, the, the right to be lifted up and glorified is His. Amen? And so we are called to this idea in this place of worship, right? And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are sitting back there and saying, yo, Jay, you, you tell me i got to get up and start dancing like Haley did? Yeah, that's when you lose me because I ain't, I ain't, this ain't dancing, right? I get that. Right, I get that. I'm not a, I'm not a huge worshipper, but I'm gonna tell you what. In, in the last several months, I, I find myself standing back there instead of coming up. And you know, I always used to go back and do my thing, and then I'd come up here and sit, right, or, or stand, right. And I've always kind of just been this kind of worshipper. And if, and if you got me to hear, that was a big deal. Right? For me, that, that was kind of a big deal. But, but I don't know what it is about that little aisle back there. Maybe it's because the wind blows from side to side or something. I don't know. But man, back there, I've noticed in the last several months, I'm like digging it, man. I'm, I'm back there and I'm feeling it and I'm lifting my hands and I'm worshiping and I'm leaving this place and, and, I, and I'm embracing the, the presence and the power of God. Right? And so that's what I want you to do. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what it looks like when you do it, right? But this idea of worship should be something that is real and something that is powerful to all of us, that we embrace it and we allow it to evolve how we think, how we live, and most importantly, how we see God. Right? Because when we choose to see God in our circumstances, or when we choose to see our circumstances and try to find God in our circumstances, guess what? Chances are you're not going to see God in your circumstances until it's all over, right? And then you say, oh man, God, you were there all along, right? Sometimes that's how we operate. And we allow what happens to us in our daily life, we allow the, the going-to's and from's, and, and we allow the, the frustrations, and we allow the stuff, amen, to get the best of us, and then in allowing that stuff to get the best of us, later we all of a sudden show up and be like, hey, where's God, right? right? The reality of worship, and the reality of worship as a warfare is something that, that drives us to a life that's deeper than that. Right? And that's what this message, that's what these this next three or four weeks are really going to call you to. And it's, it's going to be somewhat challenging, but it's also going to be somewhat invigorating and lifting up with, God, with God's help. Right? And, and so in order for us to start out, I want us to start out with understanding what we have available to us in God right? It'd be easy for me to to come here, probably show you, there's probably like 20 different examples that I bullet pointed down when I was studying through this and everything else. I could use that, I could use that, I could use that, I could use that. There's tons of examples that I could use for you of worship and how worship was used as warfare. And because of it, God did something ridiculous in scripture. And we're going to share a few of those, right? probably next week and and a couple weeks after that and everything else, we're going to share a few of those with you, amen, to show you the power of worship and the things that God used worship to to bring about. But I think before we get there, I would be doing you a disservice if we didn't take a step back to understand why we worship and understand all, all that is going on in the spiritual realm for us as we walk and serve with Jesus. Is that All right. Is that okay we start there? So in Second Kings, Second Kings the sixth chapter, y'all thinking, man, he's in the Old Testament a lot lately. It's kind of weird. It just has been working that way. But in second Kings the sixth chapter, I'm gonna read this to you. And the prophet here is Elisha, and he says, Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God, the man of God being Elisha, when the servant was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, Master, how shall we do? Right? How shall we do? How many times have you been posed with situations, circumstances, bad things, whatever, whatever phraseology we want to put on that, right? How many of us have been and encountered with things that we look at the darkness and we look at the overwhelmingness and we look at the frustration of all of it and we think how do we how do we manage how do we get by how do we figure this out how does this happen well how do we win in this situation right all of us all of us have been there Whether it's it's medical, whether it's financial, whether whether it's business, whether it's kids, whether it's whatever it is, we have all been there and we have all been in that place where we looked at ourselves and we realized we weren't enough. We weren't enough. No matter how much money we made or didn't make, no matter how healthy we thought we were or we weren't, amen, no matter what the circumstance and situation, we looked at it and we realized that I'm not enough. Right, And I think, I think this scripture and I think this idea of worship as a warfare brings us to this idea and brings us to this place to where if we live our life like Jesus did and if we pray over our lives like Jesus told us to, to where we acknowledge that we need a God on a throne. Right? We don't need a God who's like me and like the world. Amen? And I think that's where we're really failing in today's church is we're making God too much like the world and we're not letting God be the God of the throne that He is. Amen? And because of that, I think we really just don't encompass and we just don't tap into the power that is ours in a God who sits on a throne. Amen. So the challenge for us is, is to leave God on the throne and come to that throne, making our lives different and making our lives better according to the throne and the grace and the mercies of a holy God, right? And then if we live our lives as Jesus commanded and we pray over our lives with praise and worship in all that we're doing, realizing the power and the might. In this God that we serve, then this God that we serve will be moved on our behalf. Right? Several scriptures come to mind. Several scriptures come to mind. Where two or three are gathered, that's where I'll be. Right? The God of this throne, the God of this might, the God of this power, the God of this uh, omnipotence, amen, says that where you agree on me and where you agree in who I am and where you agree in my power, I'm going to show up. Amen? So when we start thinking about a God who deserves our praise and a God who is worthy of our praise in spite of our circumstances and in spite of our situation and we choose to walk in agreement in that and we choose to trust and believe in the power of that and even before we get our goodies... Amen? We lift His name up in praise and we lift His name up in adoration. You see, it's easy when He moves for us to lift our hands. Amen? It's easy when we get the little chill bumps to raise our hands. Amen. But what God is calling us to, in in the examples we've given and a whole lot more, God is calling us to a place that in every situation and in every circumstance and in everything, we give Him praise and we give Him glory and we agree on that because of who He is. Nothing to do with who we are. Amen? And then, then God is moved then God is moved and begins to work on our behalf, begins to show up in our situation, begins to, to, to move into our circumstances. So, so why? Why? Number one, He loves us. Number two, He cares about us. Romans says it like this, that all things work together for good to them who love God, right? I, I, saw, I saw a thing a few weeks ago. Um, and I forget who it was, but one of these guys who's always got videos out on, on the internet, and, and he was basically saying that even, even if it's not God's will, do it anyway because he works all things to good. Well, that's garbage teaching, okay? Right, don't pray amiss, don't live amiss, don't move amiss, amen? Work and operate within the realm of God, amen? And he will work all things together for good to them him, love him. What that, what that teaching did on the internet that I saw a few weeks ago is it left out the whole first half of that chapter. Amen. And the whole first, chapter, first half of that chapter is about us remitting our sins and moving into a lifestyle and a mindset, worship is my warfare, a mindset that is focused on the holiness and the power of God. Amen? And then when we live in that manner, when we live in that way, when God is first and foremost in all that we think and do, then He works all things together to the good, to them that love Him. Amen? Because if you're going to love Him, the Bible teaches us what? We're going to love the brother, we're going to keep the commandments, we're going to do all of these things that Scripture says we'll do if we love Him. Amen? So, and if we love Him and we're doing those things, He's exalted over our lives. He's worshiped over us, he is lifted high above us, and so we are called into this place of where we keep God on that throne, and we worship him, we acknowledge him, and in doing so, we see and believe that he will work on our behalf that 's what happens here with elisha verse sixteen says and he answered, "Fear not, this is elijah talking to to his servant now it's you know theologians will argue here if this was um, uh, Giz, Gizma, I think was his name, uh, or Elijah, one of, one of the two who served Elisha around this time. Um, but it really doesn't matter because regardless, it was Elisha's servant. And he answered him and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, now understand, understand the circumstance, right? The servant gets up and he sees that the enemy army... Had come and circled the camp. They were big and they were mighty and they were powerful, and there was no way, there was no way they were gonna win based on what was seen, based on the intimidation factor. You ever been intimidated? Based on the intimidation factor, there was no way for them to win. And so he comes and kind of freaks out to Elisha and says, like, how, how do we do this? How do we overcome? How does this happen? Elisha, because he's living a life of worship, he's living a life that's centered on God, he's living a life that, that doesn't, doesn't allow the circumstances to sway him, Elisha just calmly looks at the servant and says, it's no big deal. Those that are on our side are more than those that are on them side. Imagine if you were that servant. Right? Because sometimes we are. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we're that servant that sees the doom and the gloom and, and we freak out, right? Sees the ends not meeting and sees the, the, the circumstance and the bullies and the intimidation and, and, and the garbage of this world and, and we kind of have that, oh, 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 how's this going to work, right? Just me? Okay, some of you out there, all right. all right. We've all been that servant. We've all been in that place. This moment in Scripture is one of those that show us and teach us to look beyond what we see and trust in things that are bigger than what our physical eye sees. Amen? Here's what happens. Some of you know the story. Here's what happens. And Elisha answered and said, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray Thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now notice it doesn't say round about Israel. Right? Notice it doesn't say round about um, uh, the servant. Notice it doesn't say round about this or round about that. It says round about Elisha, the guy who is exampling for us a life of worship. The guy who, who three chapters before gave up everything that he had and was willing to risk everything that he had to worship God and to make sure that God was first and foremost in his, in his life. The guy who made it very clear to all of us who read his story that God was on the throne and hallowed be his name. Right? And because of that, God says, I'm going to show you everything that circles Elisha. I'm going to show you all of the power. I'm going to show you all the glory. I'm going to show you all the might. I'm going to show you all the strength of heaven and how it encircles Elisha and how it will do battle on Elisha's part and how the enemy will not prevail over Elisha because my hand is on him. My hand is on him. He belongs to me. He put me on a throne of his heart. He put me on a throne in his mind. He worships me. He cherishes me. And because of that I will do battle on his behalf. Hallelujah. Amen? And we, we need to see it. We need to see it. We need to look. unto unto the heavens from where our strength and where our help and where our power comes from. We need to look beyond this life and we need to look beyond the disappointments and we need to look beyond the hurt and we need to look to a God who sits on a throne and when we hallow Him, when we cherish Him, when we love Him and praise Him and worship Him in our life, He will do the same for us as He did for Elijah. And when we come to a place That we choose to live a life of worship. When we choose to let worship be our warfare, when we choose to be so focused on a high and a holy and a mighty God, the stupidity and the garbage of this life doesn't influence us anymore. Anymore. Amen? And we walk beyond. We walk beyond beyond the norm. We walk beyond the frustrations. We walk beyond the stuff, amen, that so easily besets us. In Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses, right? We sometimes refer to this as the hall of faith. Right? Not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. We sometimes refer to this because it it reminds us of the stories of Moses and Noah and, and on and on and on. It reminds us of how they put everything aside for a God who is imminent in their life. Who is high and holy and lifted up in their life. And because of that, because of the place they gave Him in their life, God moved on their behalf and did mighty, mighty things. Mighty, mighty things. And so we hero these people. We tell these people's story thousands upon thousands of years later because what they did was so incredible. But if we see only what they did, if we only see their faith, if we only see their trust, and we fail to see the God who stood over them, and the God who had His hand on them through their trial and through their tribulation, the God who refused to let Satan win, the God who said, they belong to Me, and I will work, and I will move and bring the victory. If we fail to see that God, if we fail to see His chariots, if we fail to see His might, and we fail to see His power, we will never truly grab a hold of the power of God that wants to work in our lives. So we are called to worship. We are called to praise. We are called, amen, to a place where God is lifted up in us. And the sad thing is, I mean, it's really, 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 really sad and disappointing to me that, that we become petty and we argue over on the ways to do it. Amen? Amen? I don't care if you run circles around me. If you're lifting up Jesus, now don't expect me to run circles. Amen? Because I'm just not that dude, alright? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit can catch fire and I do it, and amen, hallelujah for that. I'm not, I'm not against it, right? We, we were, uh, Wally and I were joking around last week and everything, and he kind of made a, a comment to me, he was like, maybe you're more, more Pentecostal than I thought. And I'm like, well, I ain't against it, Right? Why? Because I am okay with the power of God working in your life. I am okay with the power of God moving in your circumstances. I am okay with the ordinance and the high holiness of Him who sits on the throne moving in you and through you as He chooses. And I'm also okay if it's not something that I tend to do. Amen? And the problem is we get petty with that stuff. The problem is that we want everyone to worship our way or not get blessed. And that's garbage. Right? And there, there are institutions that teach that. Amen? There, there are institutions that say, worship's got to be done this way. It's got to be done this way. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to say scripture here. You've got to clap your hands here. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, please. Amen? What I really want, what I really want is a heart turned towards God. Amen. As your pastor, that's what I really want is I want your heart turned towards God. I want your willingness to fall at his feet like Mary did, to wash his feet and cleanse them with your tears and dry them with your hair. Amen. I want a heart that sets him so high and so holy on his throne. Amen? That nothing knocks you off your rocker because you know that your Redeemer lives. Amen? That, that is where we're called to. You know, the hows and the whys and, and, and the preferences and, and all of this and everything else, that's just, that's just man being man. Amen? But we are called to a place where God is the authority. Amen? And because He is, He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of being lifted up. I can give you Scripture after Scripture that tells you that they praised Him softly on the tambourine. I can also give you Scripture after Scripture that says that they praised Him loudly on the trumpet. Amen? I can give you Scripture after Scripture to where David said the music that we have isn't enough. The instruments that we have isn't enough to honor God, so I'm going to make new instruments I'm going to make better instruments, and I'm going to use them for God's glory. And he did it. Guess where? In the temple. Huh? In the temple. Amen? Listen, we, we, we miss the point so often because we're so caught up in ourselves that we don't see and we don't keep God on his throne. And, and that's our problem. And when we don't keep God on His throne, and we don't worship His name, and we don't allow His ability to move according to heaven, amen, and, and we only allow Him to move according to me, right, according to my thinking, amen, Bible doesn't trump that because His ways are higher than your ways. Huh? How He thinks, how He thinks, our wisdom is merely a blemish. Amen. And all of our knowledge is but folly before Him. That's that's all Bible, by the way. Amen? So so when we start to see God like this, and we start to allow God to fill us, our mind and our heart, our ideas and, and, and our determinations, when we start to live that kind of life, guess what happens? We start filling up. We start filling up. Now, I'm not a a glass half kind of guy. Amen? Because because me being like overly logical in just about everything I do in life. Amen? I really don't care if it's half full or half empty. It's still half. Right? My question, my problem, my my worry, and, and Sam can tell you, I preached this message 20 years ago. Half is half, so why aren't we trying to fill it up? Why aren't we trying to fill it up? Amen? And the way we fill that up is at the feet of the king. You know, at the the feet of God who wants to move upon our lives with all power. You see, we're like the ten virgins. We, We are all like those virgins who think about things our way, do things our way, allow things to work, our way. And then when we don't find the victory in all of that, we complain and blame. Well, it was that person's fault. It was that person's fault. It's this person's fault. It's, It's always this, 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 right? And we never stop to think that maybe we're like the servant and we're just not seeing where the power comes from. Maybe we're like the servant and we see all the situations and all the circumstances and we allow that to defeat us. We allow that to make us take our lamp and set it on a shelf rather than keeping it full because it's not the way I wanted it or it's not the way he wanted it or it's not the way that gratified me. I'm going to push this all aside forgetting the fact that regardless of of the ways, God's the one on the floor. God's the one on the throne and God is the one who can exercise power and victory. And the only one who can exercise power and victory into our lives. Amen? So you want a reason to worship? You want a reason to make God the focal point of your life? Amen? It's because worship is warfare. It's because those that call upon Him move Him to bring power and victory. And trust me, honey, His army is mightier than any other you can think about. I'll give you a few examples. Amen. When Jesus was born, what happened? Angels had a fit in heaven before the shepherds, didn't they? Amen. The scripture, the scripture of that moment was, <laughs> you don't understand what just happened. Right? Those, those angels are having a fit in the, in the skies. Amen. Before heaven... And before the shepherds, and, and basically they're, they're saying that heaven has come down, glory has come down. Amen, the power of God in all manifest is now with you, Emmanuel. right? And they can't contain themselves because now the power has come to earth. right? We also see we also see in, in Scripture time and again, that God. God shows up and God moves in the circumstances and the situations of people's lives. We see that, that the angels do warfare throughout the Old Testament on behalf of those that live and serve Him. Amen? Elijah is just one. Elijah is, Elisha is just one who says... No matter what I'm faced with, I'm going to keep God on the throne. Amen? Elijah filled his lamp. Not just, not just daily, not just weekly, not just when faced with opposition. Out your amen, to that. Huh? Not just when faced with opposition. Amen? God gets real holy. God gets real holy and worthy of our praise when we're struggling, right? Elisha didn't choose that half-life. Amen. Elisha chose, amen, to fill feel, feel up every day. Elisha chose that every day God is worthy of my praise. Every day God is worthy of who I am. Every day God is worthy to know that I have Him on a throne in my life and I am lifting Him up because He's worthy. Amen. And we see countless times in Scripture the same is true. So the challenge to us is the challenge to us and the idea for us to see worship as a warfare is for us to realize that when we place God in that place in our life, when we place God in a scenario, in a situation of our being to where He is high and holy and lifted up, then He dispatches His armies on our behalf. Amen? He named Elisha. He named him. What if God was dispatching armies and naming you? Amen? He's the same same yesterday as He is today. And He'll be that same tomorrow. Amen? And what do you have to do for Him to dispatch armies? Amen? Put Him on the throne and worship Him. Worship Him with your whole heart, with, with your every being. Be moved and be unctioned. David danced naked in the street, and his wife told him he was a lunatic. Amen? And by earthly standards, he was. And what was David's response? I'll get even more undignified. Amen? What does that mean? It means that when we are caught up in the holiness and the presence of God... Amen? And we are moved to worship Him. Don't take your clothes off. Amen? Because I'll be throwing something over you if you do. Amen? So I'm not... That was David in the dark long ago. Okay? In the middle of the night when everybody was asleep and only his wife saw it. Okay? So, So don't think I'm endorsing that. Amen? I'm not that Pentecostal or whatever you want to say. Right? So don't be dancing naked. We'll stop that real quick. Right? But what I do want you to get... And what I do want you to understand is a life so impassioned with God that it moves you into the unthinkable and it moves you into places that you never thought about being before. Amen? God, I, I learned kind of the hard way how big God was once. I grew up in a very traditional setting. Uh, legalistic in a lot of ways. You've heard me say that. And when I say that, I'm not being negative. I think there's some good to legalism. Amen. But I also think there's some pharisaical traits to legalism too that we have to be careful about. Amen. Or we end up just like they were concerning Jesus in the scriptures. But I grew up that way. And and my best friend, Ray Parsons, you all have heard me talk about him. He is who helped me find my way back to Jesus and, and everything else. He had been after me for years to go to promise keepers. And and I would tell him, I was like, how do you do that? The, the kind of music they play and the kind of stuff that they do and everything else like that. And and he made this comment to me, which ticked me off, right? He made this comment to me, and I said, like, Jay, you gotta, you got to think bigger than that. I was like, why are you going to your promise keeper then? You know, and, and so forth. So that didn't really kind of work with me. But uh, we had been going through a really tough time. The the first church that I pastored, uh, the, the pastor kind of ran off with the piano player kind of scenario thing. And it was horrible. I mean, a third of the church was applauding it. A third of the church was like ready to lynch them in the middle of the street. And a third of the church was like, can we just move on with Jesus? And, and, and so it was two years of torture for me physically, spiritually, and, and everything. And I was spent, right? I was spent, and, and I remember Ray coming to me and he says, you're going to Promise Keepers with me. See, he had already talked to Sam about it, everything else. And he was just like, you're going with me this year. And so long story short, I kind of went with this, with this attitude. Bless me if you can. Fine. Whatever. I'm here. I love you enough to be here, but, you know, let's just get it over with. Right? That was kind of my attitude. And then I grew up a farm boy, as most of you know. And, and there's not a racist bone in my body. Kevin knows that. I love, I love Kevin with everything inside of me. But I'd never really been around a lot of anybody other than white folk, right? And and so what Ray didn't tell me is that we were going with a, a, a church that was an all-black church. And and so we go walking into the church and, and then here's all this, this room of, of black men that we were going to promise keepers with too. And I'm kind of like, This is new and different. And and everything, again, not a racist bone in my body, but it was just kind of like, what do I say? How do I I react? Because I just I grew up on a farm. I'd never really been around much more than my family and and everything else. So, you know, I I kind of wanted to do the right thing and be respectful and and humble and everything else like this. Well, I'm going to tell you what about these men. I don't know how God moved upon them. But those guys loved me like I had never been loved. Those 30-some guys that I had never met in my life, and when I walked in the room thinking, oh my goodness, do I have anything in common with these guys? What do I say? What do I do? And, and everything else, I'm going to be honest with you, they loved me like I had never been loved. They embraced me. They accepted me. They, they served me in a way that was probably one of the most powerful spiritual experiences of my life. And, and it brought me to a place that beyond my how I grew up and what I'd been around when I grew up, it brought me to a place in my life where I wanted to be around more people like that. I wanted to be around more. And and so after that, I started seeking things to go. I started going to their church when I didn't have service at my church. I started going to their events when I didn't have events at my church because I wanted to be involved in that kind of love and in that kind of worship. And I wanted to expand who I was. Those guys loved me beyond any rationale I ever had and it was powerful and then I, got the, then I got the promise keepers I mean that was enough right that was a huge move of God in my life amen and then I got the promise keepers and I went right back to this attitude y'all can love me later I'm just going to stand here and be a thorn in everybody's side right that was me right? and so I stood there like this for like the first few minutes probably more than that probably 10 plus minutes and everything else had their guitars and their drums and, and, and everything going on stage, Liz. right? And that's where I was. That, was. that was the molding of my thinking that had taken place in my life and everything else. And so I, I just started toning all of that out. People can tell you, amen, if, if I'm at work and, and you come into my office and just start talking to me without kind of announcing you're here if I'm not looking— right at you and everything else. I'm in my zone and I'm, I, everything's kind of toned out. So I'm really able and good to do that. Sam's back there Come on, amen, <laughs> right? But, but I'm really good at toning things out. So I just kind of toned everything else out and I started paying attention to the screen and the words on the screen. And God started punching me in the face. I started realizing, well that's that's Psalms, that's that's Proverbs, that's that's the the praise of Moses, that's that's all of these things from scripture. And God started talking to me. And I kind of came out of my zone about the time they they started singing the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Y'all, we've all heard that song, right? Been been done a million different ways, and it's even on country, it's even on country radio, right? So it's it's kind of making its rounds. But open up the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. And I'm going to be honest with you. This was a huge moment for me because in this moment, God went from this big in my life to this big in my life. Because that song, these big old horse turd tears started falling down my face. And, and I began, I began snuff, snuff, crying, sobbing like, like a, a little boy that had fallen off his bike. And was trying to find mommy. I mean, I just, I, I, I was broken. I was broken. And God started ministering to me. And you know what he spoke to me and said? He whispered in my ear. And he said, I'm tired of your lamp being half full. I want you to see me. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. He orchestrated everything from my friends to this wonderful group of men at this church and and everything else and and into this very setting to this moment and this time when this song pierced my heart and forced me to see a great big God on his throne so that I might step out of me and hallow his name. That I might step out of me and lift hands and heart and mind into worship. Amen. Whether it was the legalistic me, whether it was the marine me, whether it was whatever these various factions of my life had brought me to this place to where I was refusing that idea. God in one moment broke it to pieces, and the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of the aisle. I don't even know how I got there because I was like in the middle of the aisle. I'm in the I'm, I'm in the aisle way, on my knees, weeping, snuffing, snot, everything. It was gross. Okay, and, and uh, true story. And I was in that moment, and and when I kind of come up out of that moment, I look and these men had had circled me. <sighs> These men had circled me and covered me to where nothing else could get to me in that moment but Jesus. And it changed me. It changed me. And I rocked some worlds when I got home. Amen? And there were some people that raised their eyebrows when I got home and there's still people raising eyebrows today and that's okay. Amen? Because the power living in me, the army that circles me, those men still covering my life that when I see them somewhere we embrace and hug and love and kisses on the cheek because we reside together in Jesus Christ. That power is all over me and it lives in me and my enemies will be defeated because of that power and I relish it I thrive in it and I want nothing less I have accepted less many times and hated every minute of it and I ran back ran back to a life where my lamp was full and I pursue it in everything that is within me. Jesus was tempted alike as we are. I'm tempted alike as you are. Elisha, I'm sure, was tempted alike as we are, but we all come to a place to where Jesus and his presence matters more than anything else and where we are not moved to the things and the pleasures of this world and this life. That is why Jesus says, when you pray, Pray like this. That is why Elisha says, take the scales off and show him God. Show him the army. Show him who reigns. Amen? Even Stephen in his death looked up and hallowed Jesus. Even in that moment, looked up to God as as boulders were piercing him. He looked up into the heavens and Jesus stood. And you know what happens when Jesus stands, right? Right? All the angels snapped to attention. Huh? Oh, y'all not seeing that. Amen. You need to see that. Amen. Jesus stood. Amen. As Stephen was being stoned to death, Jesus stood at the right hand of God. Jesus stood and said, He's mine. He belongs to me. I claim Him. Amen. And all of the angels snapped to attention, ready to do whatever war Jesus called in that moment. Amen. Open your eyes so you can see. Open your eyes so that you can hear. Open your eyes so that you know all that exists by the power of God that is ready to move on your part. Amen. You want to worship? You want to start warfare? Amen. Don't do it without lifting up the name in highness and holiness of Jesus Christ. You do it your way, amen. You don't have to do it my way, but do it. Fill your lamp. Don't settle for half full. Don't settle for empty. Don't settle for it being on the shelf when you need it, amen. Fill your lamp because the bridegroom comes. The bridegroom comes, and when the bridegroom comes, if your lamp is empty, if your lamp is half full, if you're not prepared and if you're not ready, if you're not worshiped up, amen, you'll be defeated in the war of your own making. You'll be defeated in the war of your own making. So as we think about this this concept and this this precept God gave me about, about warfare and worship, I'm encouraging you to start living your life with God on the throne and worshiping Him there. Amen? Don't pull him to your level. Don't bring him down here and and try to worship him here. You do both yourself and him a disgrace. It's heresy when you do that. Amen. But put him on the throne and worship him and fill your lamps. Fill your lamps daily, multiple times a day if you need to. Amen. Amen so that your eyes are opened and you see the armies of God who are ready to do battle for your name. For your name, just like Elisha. Amen? The servant freaked out because he didn't see what only worship had brought to Elisha's life. So when you worship, when you choose like Elisha did to put God at the top, and only at the top. And you choose to come unto him and lift him high. He will fight for you. Right? How's it going, Haley? Huh? He will fight for you. Amen? I'm not being funny. He will fight for you. He will embattle for you. He doesn't promise that you won't go into the fiery furnace, but he'll put Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you'll put Jesus in the middle of that furnace with you. Amen. That's power. That's glory. And that's worthy of my praise. Let worship be your warfare as we stand and sing.